So, who likes a stew? Does anyone like a good, hearty stew? <laughs> Depends on who's cooking it. I don't know. I like a beef stew myself. Any other takers on a beef stew? Yeah. Now, a good stew takes a, a while to cook. I've had some amazing dishes in, uh, in, in what's it called, a poiki? So, a few uh, South Africans amongst us would know what a poiki is. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. That's okay. You get the idea. Slow-cooked meat that just tastes delicious. But there's a device that can make it a lot quicker. And it's called a pressure cooker. Has anyone heard of a pressure cooker? Yeah? What makes a pressure cooker special? Pressure. Pressure. Steam. (laughs) And you can turn something that takes nine hours into taking 45 minutes to produce the same succulent meat falling apart. It's delicious. Amazing. Well, today I want to talk about what this year looks like because I believe this past week in the Southern Cross Kids Camp space, there are a bunch of things that God was saying. It was like a pressure cooker that reflected some of the things that's going to happen this year. It was a picture to show us a little bit of what this year looks like. Now, a year does take a whole year to happen, but in one week there were some things that God wanted to show us that was important for us to understand for the year ahead. But a pressure cooker takes a bunch of ingredients that get put in, kind of like the campers and the kids. We got a bunch of seasoning from prayer partners, which, which sort of added some amazing flavor to the mix. But the pressure cooker itself, the, the heat, the, the container itself was something that God had to provide and he did. What I also want to look at though is a parallel between the journey and experiences that Nehemiah had as well as the journey that Jesus had. Because it's great that God did some things in this last week, but the same things that we experienced this week, Nehemiah experienced. And the same things that Nehemiah experienced, Jesus experienced. So I don't want to just talk about a nice experience we had this past week, and for those that weren't there, go, oh, hang on, sounds like I should have been on camp. I'm glad you were where you were, because there was intentionality in that too. But the things that we experience that God wants us to hold on for this year is also things that Nehemiah experienced and also things that Jesus experienced. So they're not new things, but they're things that are really significant in the life of our church. They're things for us to get excited in anticipation about. They're not all good things, but they're things for us to be prepared and excited about. The first one is being on mission together. Being on mission together, to know your mission, to know your agenda, to know your purpose is something that was so fundamentally important to the camp. There were 60 plus volunteers involved in the camp for a camp of 30 kids. Yeah? 60 plus volunteers. If those 60 volunteers didn't know what the agenda of camp was, it would have been a shambles. And yet this past week, we had amazing unity. Quirky people... All different gifts and abilities and personalities and not all on the same page in terms of loves and things that they're passionate about, but all absolutely committed to an agenda. Absolutely committed to serving together for a purpose. Last Sunday, we spent the day together training, equipping, preparing, reinforcing the things that we were there for. We wanted to show love to these kids Uh, and we wanted to show them hope and purpose and their value, that was our agenda. And we went into camp ready. Not unlike Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah, in chapter 2, goes to the king. Chapter 1's awesome. The word of God's so good. There's so much in here. 
And every time I read it, I'm like, oh, I've got to tell everyone, they've got to read. Chapter 1 is Nehemiah's prayer. He's a prayer to God, just crying out to God. If you get a chance this read, read Nehemiah 1. Absolutely awesome stuff. But out of that prayer space, out of that intimacy with God, out of that cry for the people of God that's, that he knows have been wayward, he goes to the king. And in chapter 2, verse 4, he says, Then the king said to me, oh, by the way, he was the cupbearer for the king, so he had a role to play, but he was also a servant of the king. He had no authority to speak. But he's had this conversation with the king, and then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. He's clear on what he wants. He knows his agenda. He knows his purpose. He knows the mission. And he actually presents it to the king. Bold man. Bold, bold man. To, to, to come to the king. And you can see his, his phrasing is, is very humble. He's got to be very humble if you're in front of the king. Because his life's on the line. But he was very clear on what his purpose was. And he was, he was very fixated on that purpose. If we jump into John, I'm just going just gonna to jump between John and Nehemiah, just so we don't have to jump around a whole heap of different books. John's probably a little bit more succinct than the others in, in some of these things. Um, if we jump into to John, we can see, and it's not actually Jesus who says this, it's, um, it's John the Baptist. So if we jump into John 1, you don't, you don't have to jump through if you don't want to, but if you like to read along and make sure that I'm saying what's in the Bible, you're welcome to. I'm more than happy to be tested. In fact, you should test what I say. But I'm just reading from John 1, 29. The next day he, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, and after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. He is of higher status. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness to this, that this is the Son of God. Jesus had an omission, an agenda, a purpose. Very clearly, he knew what he was called to. As a church, we need to be reminded of this. It's very easy to get in the motions, to get sort of caught up in the day-to-day stuff and forget that we actually gather for purpose, for intention, for mission. This isn't a country club. The first three messages that Catalyst was given eight years ago were messages on what the church looks like. And the three messages were church is a hospital, church is a family, and church is an army. And all three of those things don't exist just to exist. You don't want to end up in hospital and just stay there. You end up in hospital to get well. And church is an environment where we want to see healing. 
We want people to get well. If you think about family, family is about growth and learning and understanding and experience. You don't have a family if you just stop. The day the family stops is the day the family breaks apart. You have to be intentional. You have to keep going and moving as a family. And we know in, our, in marriages, the day you stop investing in the marriage is the day that the marriage starts to break down. Like that, a church is an environment where we want to grow, we want to nurture, we want to develop. But the third one is an army. And anyone that knows someone who's, who's been in the army reserve or even in the army uh, itself knows that they go a little stir-crazy when they're just sitting around waiting because they're trained and equipped for mission, for action, for purpose, for intention. And training for no purpose is really demoralizing. So as a church this year, we want to be a people on mission. We want people with purpose, with an agenda, not just to be comfortable, to be safe, to be at peace with one another, but to leverage off what it is that we're growing and learning to be an impact, to be a people of purpose, to be people that have an agenda to transform lives, to see the love of Jesus make a difference in people's lives. The second thing that I believe the Southern Cross Kids Camp teaches us is that we need to be swift to respond to internal challenges. Be swift to respond to internal challenges. Now, when you have a bunch of people working together, even if we're all in unity on the same page, heading in the same way, there is always things that come up. There's always things that challenge our unity, that challenge our agenda and purpose. My role is um, pastor to men. So my agenda is to, to get alongside the guys in camp and encourage them and support them to help them have a perspective of what God's trying to say personally for them, but also the agenda of the camp. Because it's a really challenging space. It's a really ch it is a pressure cooker. But quite often I'll hear a comment along the lines of, I really think this person's not pulling their weight. That's a pretty normal thing. I'm sure you've all heard it. I really think this person's, their, their, their attitude's a little bit twisted, a little bit distorted. It's very natural. It's very common. We all know we've had, we've had that thought ourselves. It's not foreign to us. And yet the important thing on camp is for us to be moving forwards, you actually have to be swift about dealing with internal challenges. You can't let them linger. You can't make them a big drama, bigger than what they are. You need to be swift about dealing with the things that aren't healthy, the things that are out of balance. And we've seen amazing fruit in that space on camp where you've been able to say to someone, I really value you sharing that. I'll make sure that the people that are responsible for briefing, for communicating, for helping people understand what their roles are, does that. But you can let go of that now. You've done your part. You've observed something. You can move on. And out of that, everybody wins. The risk is, if that person decides to drag leaders into their scenario and other people into their scenario, all of a sudden, the mission changes. We're all focusing on whether the resources are efficient or not or whether people are performing to their capacity. And all of a sudden, the fruitfulness of loving on kids 
becomes a sideshow when it was the mission. We've got to be swift at dealing with these things. Nehemiah had the same problem. I'm not going to read, read the passage, but it's Nehemiah 5. When they went back and started building the walls, there were some smart people amongst them, smart, maybe not so smart, that worked out that there were some that were poor and some that were rich. And the rich people could force the poor people to pay interest. So if the poor people couldn't afford stuff, they'd have to mortgage their properties and they'd have to do things. And the rich people could go, hey, I'm in a good position here. I can start charging interest. And rightly so, the poor people went, this is pretty hard life. And went to Nehemiah and said, things aren't so well for us. And Nehemiah swiftly and quickly said, this is not healthy. This is not good. Give back the interest. Let's move on. You can read the passage in in Nehemiah 5. But he actually very promptly and quickly dealt with the issue because it was a sideshow. It was significant. There were lives involved. But it was so important that they just swiftly dealt with with the issues internally because they were on mission together. And it was such a good picture. Jesus had the same challenge. John 6, John 6, 66. It's really interesting because he feeds feeds 5,000, which is pretty impressive. But then out of that space, he teaches some pretty hard stuff. So people are following him. They kind of just want to feed. And it says in John 6, 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Pretty tough space to be in. You've got a bunch of followers that have decided to turn away. And so he turns to his 12 disciples and says, do you want to go with them as well? And Simon Peter answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter understands the agenda, the mission. He's not distracted by this sideshow of of whether people are, you know, how many fans do you have, Jesus? Are we popular here or not? We're going to face this challenge as well in in, in our journey this, this year. You know, is it about numbers? Is it about who's doing what? Is about what roles people are doing or how fairly it's happening. We can easily get distracted and yet both Jesus and Nehemiah are swift to deal with issues to make sure the agenda is not compromised. The third one's really cool even though it might not appear cool and that is perseverance through external challenges. So the second one was about being swift with internal challenges but the third one is a completely different model. While we're swift about internal things, the external things we actually persevere through. See, in this space, we actually have unity. But when we interact with people outside of this space, we sometimes place expectations on people that they haven't signed up for. There's things outside this space that will challenge our mission. They haven't agreed to be part of this journey. They haven't agreed to be part of what God has called us to. And so it would make sense... And we shouldn't be surprised that there's going to be adversity, that there's going to be things that come against us. Southern Cross Kids Cramp is a phenomenal opportunity to sow into people's lives, into kids' lives. And yet, every single one of those kids come from an environment that is foreign to camp. They don't live on camp. Camp is not life for them. So when they come into camp... The expectation that they will just conform to everything that camp involves is a ridiculous idea. 
They come from environments that are so diverse, a lot of them very challenging environments, a lot of them have a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of different environments, both spiritual, physical and emotional. And when they come on camp, there is such an amazing opportunity to persevere. And I say this in all honesty and in all integrity, my heart is excited for perseverance because I've seen in this little pressure cooker environment an amazing opportunity when perseverance actually becomes fruitful. Where the perseverance of spending five days with someone actually gets to the point of that child actually being able to receive something, actually being able to understand their value, actually being able to know that they're loved. Even if on day one they reject it, or day two they reject it, or day three they reject it, or day four they reject it, the perseverance of each staff member and buddy to be able to say they are valuable beyond their challenges, beyond the things that they resist or push back on, is actually phenomenal. And this year we have an amazing opportunity to persevere through external challenges. Nehemiah experienced it. He was mocked and opposed by a couple of guys. Funny passage. I'll just quickly read. These guys are a crack up. They really hated Nehemiah and really hated his work. Now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up, it, up on it, he will break down their stone walls. So even if a fox climbs onto their walls, it's going to pull it down. They're mocking the mission. They're mocking the agenda. And if Nehemiah took that to heart, if he had no perseverance, it would have been all over. The mission fails. But he stood and he persevered. He stood and he persevered. Jesus constantly was under pressure from the teachers of the law, trying to contradict, trying to challenge, trying to threaten his mission. He constantly was under pressure. And he would never have made it to the cross if he did not persevere, if he didn't actually persevere through that persecution. I am genuinely excited about the opportunity for us to persevere this year. Because it is through that perseverance with the mission God's given us that we have an amazing opportunity to have breakthrough through people's lives. I believe that these three things, and I know I said four, we'll get to number four in a second. But these three things are things that God wants to prepare us now for. Are you hungry for the mission? Are you eager? Are you listening? Are you aware of what God has called you to this year? Are you aware of what your role is, what your function is, what your purpose is? How he wants to encourage God's heart with others in this place? Are you eager? Are you bold? Are you, are you wanting to be courageous? Are you ready to be swift at dealing with, with any, any differences, any challenges, anything in this space that's not helping us on the mission? Are you sharp and ready to go, I'm not going to let the differences undermine the agenda that we've got? I believe God's telling us, be ready. 
be prepared because they're going to come, but they don't have to be big. They don't have to take over. Just be swift and deal with them. Be honest, be open. Deal with the things that come up amongst you. Thirdly, are you ready? Are you anticipating people to oppose the agenda that God's called us to? Persevere. Be ready when these things come against you. Be ready. The fourth point is something that is consistent with Southern Cross Kids Camp, with Nehemiah, with Jesus, and I believe this year with us. We're not in the pressure cooker of a camp. We have the whole year to to produce the stew, to let the the flavours just become fragrant. And every single one of these people were successful on their mission. I'm sure if anyone wants to chat to Jazz or or Charlie afterwards about camp, they'll tell you some awesome stories about what they experienced on camp. But there were some phenomenal experiences of the fruitfulness of this past week. And I believe finally and most significantly, God wants us to anticipate fruitfulness this year. Wants us to be ready for what he is birthing, what he is bringing forth Because the agenda and mission, being swift at internal challenges and persevering through external challenges, are all about fruitfulness, are all about victory, are all about actually achieving the mission that he's called us to. And I am convinced and I am so excited that we have an opportunity to be fruitful this year, that we have an opportunity to produce good fruit. And I'm not talking about patting each other on the back. I'm talking about bringing the gospel to people that don't know it, to bringing healing and hope and love and purpose and joy and peace in places where they don't know what that looks like, to step out of our comfort zones and and step into people's lives where they're at, not where we're at, to be courageous and to do things that maybe we haven't done before, but in God's strength we believe that he is calling us to. I can tell you testimony after testimony of this week of watching people step out of their comfort zone and do things that are well beyond their capacity and just be able to go, wow, God is amazing. Who would have thought that person was capable of that? They themselves went, I didn't know I was capable of that. But this year is an opportunity to look at the prize, to run the race with purpose and intention. Paul talks about, about the idea of a marathon runner running a race to win the prize. And I believe this year we have an amazing opportunity to be part of God's victorious journey, part of God's victorious agenda. And I really honestly believe that he has called us to amazing things, amazing purposes that require us just to surrender. And I I loved what Nathan shared. I didn't know Nathan was going to, um, to share that. But the idea that God provides promises and our response is to believe is where we need to posture ourselves today. To actually believe, to actually be excited, to actually be eager to step into God's purposes. If you don't know the end of the story, spoiler alert, Nehemiah built the wall. The people built the wall. Nehemiah didn't actually do it, but he um, orchestrated it. And there's an amazing point at which he actually gets Ezra to read out the Jewish law, the law of Moses. It's an amazing conclusion, a victorious conclusion to being able to actually in their own land, in their own space, in their own environment that's now rebuilt, to see 
the victory, the outcome, the, the fruitfulness of their labor. Amazing. I don't need to tell you the punchline of what Jesus' story was. I'm sure you know that. But again, it reflects an amazing picture, an amazing opportunity. For those that were on camp, you know what I'm talking about in terms of the pressure cooker of the week. You also know some of the things that God's spoken into that space. For those that weren't on camp, you haven't actually missed out. Because where I started was, I believe that was a picture for what this year looks like as a church. I believe there were parallels in camp with what we as a church are journeying this year. Our starting posture is to believe that there is intention and purpose and that God has a victorious plan for us. And so that's where I want to land today. I want to land with a possibility of different perspectives. Maybe you're super excited for this year and what God's plans and purposes are and you just can't wait to get into it. That's amazing. That's awesome. I want to really champion and encourage that. Maybe you're at the other end of the spectrum and you go, I have no idea. I've got no hope. I've got no purpose or direction. I don't know what this year looks like. The good thing is you don't have to conjure anything up. You don't have to fabricate enthusiasm for the year. What you do have to do is trust that God has a purpose. Even in a space of doubt, even in a space of discouragement, even in a space of questioning and wondering. That's actually really normal. That's actually really healthy. Because if you're just going with the flow because everyone else is doing it, when it comes to perseverance, when it comes to those challenging times, you just walk away because you didn't own it. It's much better to question and to challenge and to ask and to, to wrestle with what purpose looks like than it is just to ride the wave wherever it blows you, wind blows you. So today, I really want us to wrestle with that question. Are you expectant for God to move this year? Are you expectant for God to do awesome things this year? One, is He capable? And two, do you believe He's true with what He says? Is He capable? And is He faithful? Because if those two things are the case, you no longer have to labor for something. You just have to surrender. So I really want us to, to stand and to worship and to acknowledge who God is, who it is that we're following, who it is we're jumping on the train. We're riding the wave in some ways. We're, we're participating in his agenda. And it's the healthiest posture to start. If you want to stand up, if you can. Lord God, we just rejoice today that you are a God that is able. You are a God that desires to and a God that is faithful to your promises. So God, I just pray that you would continue to bring faith into this place. Faith just to believe God. Faith to believe in you, your purposes, your plans, your victory for us this year. For people in this community that have no idea about you yet. For neighbours, for workmates, for schoolmates, for strangers that we bump into at some point. Lord, we have no idea 
the detail of what each day looks like. But we know you have called us to mission and we rejoice in the opportunity to participate with you. Lord, I pray you would, by your spirit, fill us with anticipation and expectation of what you're going to do. Fill us up, Lord, with expectation and anticipation of what you're going to do. Because we want to trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.